I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The following podcast may contain some strong language and adult themes. If you've got young children around, maybe save it until they've gone to bed. If you really don't like bad words, this pod probably isn't for you. Welcome to the Making Up the Numbers podcast. The Making Up the Numbers podcast is sponsored by Hope Technology, JTEC Suspension, Revolution Bike Park, Ride Southern Spain, Schwalb, from the world's finest independent mountain bike magazine, Single Track. Previously on the Making Up the Numbers podcast. We did testing with the stem and we were literally just riding uh, one steep track. So um, at the time that stem was was pretty good. Like I didn't really notice a whole heap of difference. Um, But yeah, like that stem caused me a lot of grief. Caused me a lot of grief that year. (laughs) And like I was just like... I was crashing so much and I was always just like trying to figure out, figure out what was going on. We went to Fort William like a week or two later and <laughs> hoping I could race. Uh, my race bike got stolen in the van when we got there. And so we rebuilt up a practice bike. I went out and practiced, did two runs, flat landed the finish line jump, broke the same crank arm. And just, that was maybe the most mad I've ever been because my ankle was destroyed and I did the exact same thing, folded it back under the bike. So then I got into Fort William finals. I couldn't walk, but I could stand on the bike. So I'm like, let's give this a go and see how it goes. And then I had probably the biggest crash of my whole life where the thing exploded and I was flying through the air. And so that happened, uh, went to Leo gang the next weekend, still on an ankle that I couldn't walk on, got on the podium, 
And then I think we went to Andorra or something was the next race. And I, I got caught in the dust in practice, crossroad, hit a tree and I blew out both my shoulders. So it was like, it was just this like comical, like string of events where I was like, what's it going to be this weekend? <laughs> like it was just one thing after the other. Yeah. yeah, I remember I did the first e-bike, e-cross country in Monsanto the year before, so I yeah. had a bit of a clue on what was going on, <laughs> and I spent the race battling with Loik's dad, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, I, was, so I was like, um, yeah, okay, there's a bit of a difference in some of the uh, motors, and uh, actually Loik's dad had a huge crash because I was like cheering him on so much from behind, and he went straight over a berm. <laughs> Oh, but but Lloyd was like, yeah, you shouldn't be riding around behind my dad. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode six of season five. It's only been six weeks since the last episode, but it feels like a lifetime ago. We've had four huge races in that time and we'll be working our way through those shortly. Then we'll be joined by the winner of the Leger World Cup, Benoit Coulange before closing out the show with a few predictions for the final two World Cups of the season and some team rumours. Jack, Emmy, let's get into it and let's start with Worlds. Can, can you remember that far back? No. <laughs> <laughs> Neither. Well, I've written a few bits as we've got some scripts. So firstly, can I just say a big thank you to everyone I met when I was up in Fort William, from Charlie Hatton's mum to Ryan Pinkerton's dad. Everyone, it seems, loves the pod and you never get tired of hearing nice things about the things you do. So thank you. In the junior women, it was a Kiwi 1-2-3. Arise Van Leuven took the win with Poppy Lane grabbing silver and Sasha Ernest bronze. So first question, Emmy, are these girls all first year juniors and just how good are they going to be? I think, I think they all are, to be honest. And also it was pretty funny because, of course, Jenna Hastings was um, the reigning world champ so obviously she was like very interested and she watched the race and then um passing on her like world jersey to another key was very special to her and i feel like yeah they're all gonna be like sasha got picked up actually by um track factor racing like only just before world so she raced on a track bike and she yeah. hadn't really ridden it <laughs> so she 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 was struggling a little bit because i think she's shown like that she has the probably the most raw speed of the three. Um, but she still like makes a lot of mistakes. And also like, obviously like with the new bike and everything, she had to like get into it, but she still got bronze. And Poppy Lane was like also someone that we didn't see much so far, but yeah. she proved to be like very strong. I think like Kiwis have pr proven also in other categories to be fast in Fort William before. So yeah, it was, it was very good to see. Cool. And in junior men, Henry Kiefer took the win, but then crashed out in Andorra. So we haven't had much chance to see more of him in the stripes, but hopefully he's on the mend. In elite women, Rachel and Nina had big crashes in practice, but still raced, which surprised a lot of people, including myself. Louise Ferguson had a great result in fourth, Marine in third, Cammy second with a smooth run, but she didn't really risk it. Is that pretty accurate, Emmy? Well, she crashed in, in qualies and that was like very unusual for her. Yeah. And she crashed in Valdi Salsa the weekend before as well. So I think it was like, she, it's not that she didn't want to risk it or whatever, but there's something going on there. I was like a little bit like out of a character. So because she slid out completely like, 
um, unexpected in quali and her bike didn't feel right. The bike was better for final, she said, but um, yeah, I think her run was like close yeah. to take the win. And Valley has always been strong and fought William before Valley didn't ver- did mistakes in the past. So um, I think her run was like good, but she didn't really risk it. But I think also because she crashed in, in the, yeah. the run before. I, I don't know if you guys saw it, but Valley posted a helmet cam on the after the first day of practice and I looked at it and I remember seeing it was like five minutes, five seconds. And when I went and looked, the, the guys weren't going much quicker than the national, if anything, mm. if if quicker than the national. And that was already five seconds faster than Nina's winning time at the, at the national. And I thought, Christ, she's going to take some beating here. Did you see that or... Didn't actually, no. I didn't see it, but the, the the course was a little bit different than national, so I don't know if you can really compare. But um, it was definitely faster as well, the way they like worked on the course. But yeah. but Valley has been so strong this year, and also like she always liked the course. She always did good there. Yeah. So I wasn't surprised at all. I don't think would take a lot like for for Cam to beat her and especially Nina was not on the best weekend with a crash the first day on the head and then crashes after crashes. So um yeah, I think Cammy's silver was like her last medal that she missed on the set. So she was st- still kind of happy with her run. She's stoked. Mm. In the men's, the weather played a huge part. Um, Greg Williamson, who was a rather controversial selection for final selection for Team GB, was leading for a long time with a dry run. My pick, Danny Hart, was going good until he lost time on the motorway. But Charlie Hatton put one together. Jack, you picked Charlie for the win. Was it track knowledge in those conditions? Was it just holding it together when others didn't? What do you think separated Charlie from the rest? Yeah, I think it was a bit of everything on the day, wasn't it? I, the run was the run was awesome and it, it clearly clicked for him. And I've kind of been waiting for Charlie to put a result down for a while. And I, yeah, I, I'm surprised it was winning Worlds. I thought he'd get a World Cup podium before he did that but yeah I think everybody uh, everybody who knows Charlie was absolutely over the moon yeah obviously he's out injured now and I think he might be having an operation today because I did speak to him about coming on tonight um, so he'll fast Charlie the big question though did, do you think he'll go on and win a World Cup now? oh yeah definitely I, I, I think it's just becoming more and more like whoever's good at the time is in with a shout on a win and as we saw last week, especially with, I know Loic ended up fifth, but like he was off the boil all weekend and he was happy with his fifth place and Finn wasn't in the mix. Whereas earlier in the season, it, you know, they were right, especially Finn was right there. So yeah, you can't rule Charlie out in future years of him just building on this. Um, you know, he's one of the best bike handlers on the circuit for sure. And he's certainly got some confidence behind him now. So yeah, I, d- I definitely wouldn't be ruling him out on wins, but I, I honestly think the days of, someone just consistently winning races I, I, those days have to be over there's just too mm-hmm. many top guys fighting over tens of seconds yeah so I think I mean look at, look at Saturday, Sunday or Saturday top mm-hmm. four 319 0.6 separate in the podium it's fucking ridiculous Basically, mm-hmm. it's ridiculous before we move on I have to ask if either of you know what exactly happened in Fort William with Greg Minar P8 in quality a flat in his race run and you think, oh, that's unlucky. But then in an interview afterwards, he, he's not too happy. He says, we weren't prepared for the weather and 
you see the photos after. I, I didn't notice at the time, but you see the photos after and he's gloveless, which is really unusual. And then you go to Andorra and Lyle's been moved on to other duties and Greg's got a new mechanic. Have you heard any more about that? Honestly, you've told me things there that I didn't know. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I've heard he's changed switch mechanics. Yeah. Um, but I don't know like what happened. I know he had a lot of mechanicals um, this year, but I've, yeah, I haven't had any details, but yet obviously he's always been a contender on this, on this track and he was riding well in practice, like way better than the rounds like before. And even in the rounds before when he wasn't riding, like I felt like the pace of the other, who was still like right there before yeah. he had a flat tire or whatever. So I was like, oh, he's on. And then he had like in that tight turn, he obviously made that mistake of pushing too hard or whatever with his weight. And I don't know what about the other stuff, but it definitely seemed to like have helped a little bit because he was pretty on it after that. So I, I, I zoomed into the photo of him gloveless as well, and it looked like he was running an Asa guy on the front. And I was like, yeah, that's probably about right. I don't think he'd have. Would he have changed tyres in those conditions, Jack? At Fort William? Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure because I don't run Maxis. I, I can't. I wouldn't say. I think most of them had that or DHRs. I wouldn't. I wouldn't yeah, it looked like one of more those. aggressive, you meant. Yeah. Yeah, no. It, it wasn't, didn't look like, you know, they got to the top and he'd gone, right, let's put some different wheels on and they didn't have them. But then it seems a bit brutal if it's just over some gloves, you know. Like, no, I mean, it's his... like Emmy said, he's had a lot of mechanicals. And then, to be honest, was Andorra the first race run he'd finished? Like, he'd, this year he's almost gone through every quali and every yeah. race, every semi final, sorry, just on the merit of that number 10 board. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because of his mechanicals. So, um, sometimes it's just you need a change and maybe the syndicate just sat down and went right things aren't working let's just mix things up i mean i, yeah. I that's just hypothetical i, I literally don't know any, anything that's been said but yeah the, as emmy said this the changes have worked because he's back in the mix yeah he's he is back in the mix the seven, so. <laughs> on to andorra then and so many talking points here we could probably do a whole show about about andorra i think but let's start by saying I bet ESO thank the Lord that they had another race straight after because this was a, a car crash, really. Let's start with Adam Brayton. It seems inconceivable that the 55th ranked rider in the current standings didn't have enough points to race a World Cup. I know you've got some strong views on this one, Jack. Yeah, I mean, before the pod, I promised myself I was going to uh, take some advice from Thumper out of Bambi, and if I haven't got anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. <laughs> so I am going to moderate myself. Um because the last three weeks have been, you know, a bit of a shit show. But I mean, I used Brayton as an example purely because he is a rider who has raced two semifinals, secured 47 UCI points, um, or, or World Cup series points. We have to now distinguish yeah. between. We never had distinguished between that before. Yeah. Now all of a sudden we have to distinguish between that just for semifinals, not for qualifying or race, but for semifinals, apparently there's something different, which, is purely an oversight. They've gone, let's not give the top 30 points twice in semifinals and finals. So we won't give anyone points for semis. So they've forgotten all about the riders between 31st and 60th in the semis. So what this means is you could qualify 21st at every World Cup because points go down to 20th in qualifying. You could then finish 31st in every semifinal. 
This would laughable, laughably give you a top 30 overall because of the consistency. You'd probably end up, you know, somewhere between 25th and 30th in the World Cup overall at the end of the season. But if you had done no other races other than World Cups on the UCI website, you wouldn't exist. You would have zero UCI points. So you would be a top 30 World Cup rider having raced every round and 31st in every semi, and they wouldn't give you any acknowledgement for being there. And it's purely an oversight. It's just once again, Mm -hmm. them looking at the top people and going, that's all we give a shit about. Everyone else can, you know, sail off down the river. We don't care. So I used Brayton as an example because he had a top 60 overall, which just made it laughable. Dan Slack, my teammate, is affected by it. Dan's now back riding. And if he wanted to come to America, despite finishing 31st in Lenzerheide, and with those points and his Portugal points, he has more than 40, he still wouldn't be allowed to race Snowshoe and Monsignan on merit. He would have to apply for a BC jersey. It's also happened to Taylor Vernon um, and probably a few other people. So, yeah, Brayton was the prime example, but it's not just him it affected. Um, and it's just another one of those many oversights that this new organiser has has done this year where they've just clearly not not been aware of everything they need to be aware of. Yeah, no, for sure. Like the the the, the UCA points have not been changed. Like the, the annex of the rule book hasn't been changed. It still says final first to sixtieth, but because there's only thirty people or thirty first people or thirty second people in final, these people will get points. Like UCA points, but but you don't get squeeze points below 30th. So they'll give you points. <laughs> nah. So you can hear yeah, you're 31st. You are, you have UCA points, but you don't have no, series points. points. So in Andorra, so, yeah. cancelled semis. So yeah. those guys racing the final mm-hmm. in Andorra, which was the set and the final together. So they got the UCA points. Did we, they? No, I don't, I don't know. Uh, we might get, yeah, we'll get some UCA points. Yeah. But I don't on, know. on the day in the series, we were racing, but we got nothing. Everyone from mm-hmm. 31st to 60th, we got fuck all. Yeah. Like, it is just bizarre. Mm. And and I, I spoke to one of the ESO um, staff members about this, just in passing, one of my friends, I won't, I won't say the name. Um, I think we've got to that stage where we probably should be naming people now. Um, and, and it's an oversight. It's not what they wanted, but because of UCI admin and rules and the new organiser, it just mm. meant clusterfuck. Yeah, yeah. Like, and there's uh, there's other points like that in the rule book as well. Yeah. For example, series point for the last round, it says no points for qualifying and then points for final, but it doesn't say anything about semis. So we don't know what's going to happen in. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so we try to like investigate because we're like, are they not going to give any points for semis? Like, if I was me, I would be like. I'm not doing summies. <laughs> like, if there's no points, I'm not doing it. Because if it's muddy and you don't have even time to like clean your bike, especially what would you even like? Just go through the gate and then you protect it. If you protect it, you know. Yeah, there's ten, there's so, ten of the men and how so it's like, yeah. yeah. So it's like stuff like that is pretty. But we like the association and Miriam and Greg. We all talked about this point issue. We applied to make some changes. There's like a deadline mid-season, the 31st of July. We haven't heard anything. Well, I heard something. So you guys sent your document into the UCI and yeah, I contacted yeah. the UCI myself and said what the fuck is going on mm-hmm. when we know what was going on and they replied and told me again I won't say the name of the person I spoke to but they replied and told me that oh yeah um, that's how it is we'll look at it for future years so they haven't replied to the union that they should be replying to but they're telling some random rider oh, they're, they're going to go through the UCI rep 
representative, they're not going to go directly to the association because there's always like kind of like, but yeah, I don't know like what's going on with it, but. But they've told me nothing will change until next year when there were five World Cups left. So. Yeah, but we asked for a retroactive change. We didn't ask for like to do it next year. We asked yeah. to like do it oh, no, the no. current year. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. But what I'm you know saying. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I know that. And I'm saying they haven't come back to you guys and replied when no. they should have done, but they're telling me, some random person who's asked the question, that nothing will be done until next year. Mm. They just, it's just a complete shit show. And also, so it's, it's hard to like also know um, because they all like blame themselves. You know, they're like, oh yeah, that's UCI, that's you. So like you never know who you need to like. Because they, I don't think they. I don't know, but it's like, it's definitely not easy to try to like fix oh. some stuff. Down, down let's let's move on to something else that happened which was cammy's crashing seeding and i think she might be there emmy is she available for a quick chat yeah i'll just go get her <laughs> <laughs> camille Belange, how are you doing good thank you cool talk us through what happened in andorra what can you remember well <laughs> i just know because people told me but i don't remember anything uh, from the crash and uh, almost six days after so not much but yeah basically I was in quality run and once I was on the road gap a big uh, wind came and just blew my my bike under me and I, I landed pretty much on the ground on the side and yeah hit my like my whole body but my head uh, was the worst and yeah I had a trauma and yeah it was a quite a long time to be back but I feel like I'm quite kind of normal now in my head at least so that's that's really really good news and does anyone have any footage of this have you have you been able to watch it or no no nobody took any videos i was just lucky that um a photographer was there and because of the wind he didn't took any picture because like he lost his hat and everything but he, he saw it and he kind of tried to explain me how he was so I kind of know yeah, what happened, but um, no, I don't have any video or anything. And we still really don't know exactly how I crashed and what happened afterwards and why I have like pain there and there. And, but yeah, I crashed because of the wind for sure. And three weeks in hospital. And I believe you, you had some real changes to your personality with the concussion. <laughs> has that, has yeah. that been the scariest part? Well, not for me because I, yeah, I don't remember anything. So I don't have any memories of me being weird and like, you know, like I don't, yeah, I don't remember those stuff. So for sure for my family and Emily and all my, yeah, all my close friends, it was for sure the hardest. But for me, honestly, it was easy. Like I don't remember being in so much pain. I don't remember crashing. So yeah, I will say, yeah, the worst is like, yeah, you don't know what to expect and you don't see that injury because it's in the head. So you don't know how fast it's going to heal. And yeah, it's quite, it's super weird injury and for sure the, the, yeah, the worst I had. Yeah. But yeah, at least you can feel what is super, I'm super happy is that every week is get, going better and like my, my everything is, is improving. So that's, yeah, that's a really good sign. And that's also super motivating when you see, yeah, okay, I was struggling to memorize and then you 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 missed two words and then just one. And so yeah, that's for sure cool to see. And I hope I just hope um my whole body is gonna be back. Yeah. That's something I need to wait because I can walk, 
but like everything is quite slow. Like if I want to move my foot fast and stuff, yeah, I can feel like today was the first time I was back on a bike just to see if like the aerobic, uh, like the endurance is a problem for my head. And it was all good, but I could feel that on the bike, I was like, not, yeah, like I could pedal, but it's like everything is quite slow and you don't feel comfortable and like, yeah, yeah it's super weird. So for sure it's going to take time, but. Yeah, like you have to think about it. I mean, I didn't have to think about like pedaling or stuff like that was, that was easy, but I was, I'll say mods. Maybe you think about what could happen. I don't need to, like, I'm not allowed to crash or like, you know, like you're more scared of everything. It's like quite weird. I don't know. But yeah, it was the first time. So it's okay. (laughs) So I believe the physio's already started. And as you said, you're back on a bike. This season's done and dusted. Is it just now a waiting game until? Yeah. I need time. Like my body is healing and most of the stuff is going to take six weeks. So I don't have any pain. So yeah, I need to wait. I need to be patient. And then at one point when my body's going to be healed, we also going to know if everything is hundred percent back to normal. But for that, yeah. I, yeah, I need more time after three weeks. It's just too short. Yeah. And then as soon as I'm going to be all good, then I'm going to start training again and everything. But yeah, right now it's just a bit like, yeah, I need to be patient and do step by step. Obviously for the head, we need also to have like protocol testing that was like today first 30 minutes aerobic. When that is okay, then you can test the next and then coordination, whatever, but you need to go like step by step and not go too, too fast. Emmy, do you, do you want to tell us a bit about, about the journey? What, what it's been like? Oh. Um, well, that's why when you asked me if I remember Fort William, I was like, no way. Because it felt like these three weeks felt like, I don't know, like six months, <laughs> you know, in yeah. the sense of like, since the crash and the way she was like, I was like, literally, I thought like me and her sister were there. Yeah. Like five minutes after the crash. And to be honest with you, I didn't even know she would like survive because we didn't know she had like internal bleeding. She was like not making any sense. She was like erratic, like the medics were pretty stressed. So we didn't know anything. Yeah. So until we had like news that the CT scan didn't show any internal bleeding, also the head seemed to be kind of all right. Then we're like first relief, you know, but then she, when we talked to her or like try to talk to her, she was just like (laughs) not talking or like she was just like sleeping. But then when she was awake, she was like, Obviously, the pain would take over. She just like really, really like aggressive and like would like say everybody was like, you know, she was swearing. Like it was, it was weird. And I was like, surely something's wrong. Like, and people would tell me as well. Yeah. Like if she has a head trauma, obviously this is all symptoms. Yeah. So I was kind of even hoping something was wrong because I was like, oh, hopefully she doesn't stay like this. <laughs> you know, know, like in the sense of like, yeah, she wasn't herself. Yeah. And it was only like maybe a week after when she, so we had to like, we had it flew back with the Swiss insurance medical jet. It was like, she doesn't remember any of this, but I was like in the jet, <laughs> in the, in the cockpit having kind of like the only bit of fun I had in this week with like the pilots and everyone was really nice. So that was nice. But then obviously she was still like kind of in the clouds or whatever. And it's only after maybe a week or so that she first like, yeah, I don't know, show me like any, no, signs of being normal like a little bit of affection nothing i was just like maybe she just forgot who, like not who i am but like who i am to her you know yeah. and it was like kind of a bit panicking i was like whoa she's gonna like stay like this forever or and then she started to like say oh yeah like talk normally and i was like the second relief because i was like okay it's coming back yeah 
And then she got to the clinic and that was like also good that she started to do stuff, but then she was bored. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, then now she's definitely herself. <laughs> and then oh. now she's out of the clinic. That's another relief. And now she can start like all the therapy that she needs, but still be at home and not be that depressed in that facility, which is just doing the job. But I think as an athlete, it's hard to be surrounded by people that like are really, really in a bad way. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it was definitely, a, it felt like a lifetime, but, and a hard journey as well for me, for her family, everyone. But it was, it was a way better outcome when I think about the accident itself. So two part question for all of you. Should riders have been on track in those wins? I think on track wasn't any problem. It's just, we can't fly. Like we can't be in the air for that much when yeah. it's sideways. That's for yeah. sure. They need like to close the, the road gap and then it's not any problem at all. Yeah. I think the point that's like maybe Jack, I'm interested in your answer because I feel like in the history of downhill as well, wind affects people in a different way. And also like lighter riders, I've always, always been more affected than other riders because I'm like 50 something kilos. And like someone that's 80 kilos would be less affected because there's a huge weight difference. But also, like she says, like where you build features is not being like looked at. And we've been in Andorra maybe a week before the race already. And we've ridden the three days, like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And every day from like 11.30 to 12 to 2, 2.30, there's like wind gusts, like huge ones. And the common cell guys were telling us, yeah, it's every day is the same. The wind comes up at lunchtime and then it goes back down at like 3 p.m. And everyone that lives there knows this. But for some reason, the, the only big road gap of the track is built in the most exposed mm. piece of track that there is. Yeah. So like, I mean, you can still try to do it. But if you put like a wind sensor of anything that any wind sport have, and you say, okay, if it goes until like a certain amount, then you'd be just close the road gap. And then you just like, or you build it somewhere else, or you just try to be safer. But like, there are solutions for stuff like that. But yeah, um, when people, when you try to like get into that, people tell you, oh yeah, you can just ride a beeline. You see that like no one is going to take the beeline if they have the possibility to go no. over the road gap because they might just hope that they're not going to be the one who gets the gust, you know? And second part to that question, the cancelled semis, should the race have gone ahead? Was it safe without doing the road gap? Yeah, I mean, we had like, we had a ridiculous experience throughout practice, like hopping back to the first thing you asked, like we were at the top and they were saying to us, we're not sure what we're doing. We're probably going to can close the road gap. So familiar, familiarize yourselves with the beeline. And we might close two jumps at the top. So check those beelines out as well. And we were like, what do you mean you might close jumps? Like, so first run, I think pretty much everybody tried going around the road gap. And it, to be fair, it was a really good line. Like it was, it was way more fun than, than the road yeah. gap. Um, and, uh, and then when we went up for second run, they started really saying they were going to potentially close these two jumps at the top. And I think Danny was there and a few other people were there. And, and we were asking, we were like, 
what jumps are you talking about? And we made the track guy explain properly which two other jumps he was talking about. And they had no reason to be closing them. And the around lines were so dangerous because we were going too fast. Anyone who actually tried them nearly crashed. I didn't even bother. I like looked at what they were and was like, no, I'm not even going to waste my time with it. And I said to the the track guy in the UCI comms at the top, I said, if you're if this hill is too windy for us to hit those jumps, not the road gap, but the other two, mm-hmm. we shouldn't be on the hill at all. So I was quite strong in my opinion. Um, and everybody around all the riders were in agreement. So the UCI commissaire at the top said to me, you need to say this exact thing to the chief comm at the bottom because he's the one relaying this message up. So I just kind of carried on my run, hit those two jumps, went round the road gap, did my run, um, got to the bottom, went to the chief comm, had the same conversation. And he said, I don't know what you're talking about. We're not closing two other jumps. We're just closing the road gap. And I was like, are you fucking serious? Those <laughs> staff are at the top of this track telling everyone that you're saying you're closing additional jumps and you don't even know what I'm talking about. And honestly, the whole event from top to bottom was a shit show. And then 15 minutes later, loads of the girls had already gone up for their runs. They then postponed it. So then back to your second question, should they have cancelled um, semis? Um I mean, they couldn't have, certainly after what happened to Cammy, like there's no way they could have chanced it with the gusts of wind. And we were pitted right at the top. And while we waited for that news as to whether we were going back out again, it it was fucking windy. Like a couple of times dropped all our tents and like you wouldn't have wanted to be on the hill in that wind. And then it calmed down later on. So, um, yeah, who knows? It's like hypotheticals, right? But in terms of what Emmy's just said about where they're building jumps, I couldn't agree more. Like they put the biggest, most exposed hang time jump in the most exposed place on the hillside. Like it's, it's, it's just stupid. Mm. For me, a good example is like Foriam. It's super often windy at the top, but I don't put any jump. And then for sure it's scary to ride when it's super windy, but you can, yeah, it's not that dangerous. I mean, you can survive and be on the track. You may be not exactly on the right line, but you're still on the track. And then where they build the, the jump at the bottom, it's quite hidden and most of the time is front or back wind. So it's not a problem. So yeah. for me, it's like, yeah, they know they have the wind, but they, they don't build jump at the top. And for me, yeah, Andorra is just stupid because they know they have wind and it's super high uh, altitude and they build the biggest jump at the top and they know they have wind. So you're like, yeah, I think, yeah, that's. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Stupid, because as a writer, we, we know the risk of downhill and we, we agree with it. We're okay. But being injured because of a wind dust, I just think is 
stupid because they could have avoided it. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And in Ludenville, they, they had done that. Ludenville, the top of the track, was super exposed and there were jumps, but they were all small. Mm-hmm. Tight lips, like you could push through them fast if you didn't want to jump them in the wind. Whereas in Andorra, like you either jump those jumps or you're going to lose like four seconds every time you go around one of them. So, yeah, not ideal. Well, thanks for joining us, Cammy. Yeah, thanks for having we'll me. Let, we'll let you go and get some rest and... Hopefully, we'll see you um, back on a bike real soon and uh, it all comes good. Thank you. Yeah. Hope to see you guys soon. Yeah. Get well, mate. Cheers, Cammy. Jack, for anyone who hasn't watched your vlog, you've just described it as a, a shit show, I think. Tell us a bit about life as a second class citizen over on a completely different hill to the race in Andorra. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I won't go into too much detail because like you said, at the start of the pod, we could literally talk about this all night. So anyone who does want more, more detail can go and watch that video. There's some entertaining footage on there of me having to get a bus to my race room with about hundred spectators. And <laughs> basically long and the short of it is this year, the elite teams got a pit at the very bottom of the track and everyone else was just given the middle finger. The UCI mountain bike teams were two kilometers up a road in one direction And the gondola to come up from town was two kilometers in the other direction. And that's where my pit was, where the tech support and the XC was. So it wasn't just me that was affected by where I was. It was also anyone who was getting the gondola from town and didn't have an e-bike. Last year, we were all pitted there and they ran shuttle service. And to be fair, in 2022, the shuttle service was efficient. We didn't have any problems. The mechanics were doing the same as this year and they were taking the the tools across but this year the shuttle service was non-existent on the way for practice um in the morning a shuttle wouldn't take me because um on race day they wouldn't take me because they had a load of drummers in the shuttle (laughs) the shuttle had bike stand bike rack on the back for bikes and it wouldn't stop for us because it had one of the it had a load of drummers in there who were going to the bottom to make a lot of noise so you're leaving the athletes behind and taking taking them um and then the second time to go back for race run after they gave us the green light um on race day when the wind settled there weren't any shuttles we stood there for 15 minutes and in the end we just had to get on a bus and then after the race there weren't any either so by then they wouldn't even put us on the buses so i had to e-bike bags back and then bring a car down from the sun tour pit get one of the guys to kind of come and help and then i had to tow sam back on my downhill bike and it was the same going back to the uci mountain bike pits people just couldn't get back there so it was just once again elite teams here's your space everyone else can fuck off um and that in a nutshell is what the world cups has become this year all they care about is putting a show on with those top riders on the elite teams they don't want the rest of us there so next year they've got worlds in andorra (laughs) how do they fix it because at a world cup you can i don't want to use get away with but you can get away with what you're saying is you know it's whoever pays the most money gets the best pits and the world cup is a commercial entity they can probably get away with it. Can you get away with that at World Champs? Can, you can't have half of Team GB on one hill and half on the other. The ca- it's unfixable. It's not a viable venue. Mm. Like, this is the problem we have with the World Cups. It's all about money now. So these venues are paying to host a World Cup, so they will host a World Cup. And honestly, like, the number of police we saw doing nothing. At one One day I rode back on the e-bike from our pits to from the race bottom to my pit, you know, four kilometer um, journey, I saw 11 police vehicles doing nothing, including like riot police. Like 
that it was just the, the weirdest week I've oh, ever. Oh, too busy uh, arresting my teammates. People by driving the 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 Grom motorcycle without gloves. Yeah, like honestly, that there's just it's just laughable. That week in Andorra, me and Sam were literally we just we were just laughing because we were like, this is so bad. Like, what else can we do other than just laugh at the situation we're in? Yeah. So, yeah. So, let's go talk about some some of the racing that they managed to get on. Iris yeah. took the win in junior women, Ryan Pinkerton in junior men. And we'll talk about Ryan in the in the team rumours section at the end. Nina took her first win of the year with an incredible run. Also on an incredible run was our very own Jack Redding. <laughs> Against all the odds. Up at the final split on course for a top 10. Talk us through it. I should get a bus to more race runs, I think. <laughs> Did you get excited? Oh, it must be. No, honestly, I was thinking about this earlier because I'd read the script and I was like, what went on? And basically, I think I just had a perfect build through my weekend. I never really felt like I was at my end pace. So like Ludenville was the opposite. I did four runs and was like, I'm good to go. And then I didn't put enough on it in my race run because I just... I got comfortable, if that makes sense. Whereas Andorra, I never got comfortable. And I even remember the run I had before the race run when we got sent back again after the delay. I was still like making decisions about how I wanted to ride in that run. And I think it just all timed up quite nicely. And um, I remember I was, before I crashed, I was sat 16th and I'd just gone through the fourth split, sixth fastest. And I was just building momentum. And I can remember riding through that split and, there were a couple of corners where I can just remember we we had Eddie on the podcast talking about the flow state and I was fucking in it. Like I was literally just flowing through everything. I was catching everything just right. And um, the annoying thing is where I crashed, I made the same mistake last practice run, just too aggressive, too fast, slightly on the bank. But in the race run, I just landed on that knuckle rock and it just wiped my front wheel out and purely rider error. I can't blame anyone but myself. It was just, one of them. I didn't feel like I was getting overexcited in my head. It was just, that was the pace I was at. It had all kind of come together nicely at exactly the right time. As you say, it could have been a great result. And uh, yeah, threw it on the floor, two corners and about 12 seconds <laughs> finish line. So, so yeah, it was, uh, mm-hmm. I was, I was fucking gutted. I can't lie. I was absolutely gutted, but um, yeah, is what it is. That's racing. It was, uh, yeah. Well, you gave us all a buzz, mate. Yeah. Through Seeing it, you come it. through it in green, I was like, what the fuck? Come know, on. I know. I'd come through the finish and then obviously just got myself out of there because I was pissed off. And Aaron Gwynn stopped me in this little tunnel that we had to go through to get out. And I was like, I remember thinking, I, obviously I was annoyed. I didn't want to see anyone. And I remember thinking, why is Gwynny stopping me? Like, And he was like, are you all right, mate? I was like, yeah, I'm fine. He was like, you were on one. And I was like, <laughs> was I? Because obviously I don't know anything. I didn't even look around. Like, yeah, you've just got out of there. He, yeah. went, he went, yeah, he went, you were green. And I was like, <laughs> made it worse I was like are you fucking serious so I just went back to our little um, pit at the bottom of the chairlift and I just sat there on my own just cried and anything just sat there staring into space for about 20 minutes um, processing it so but that's racing and that's why we love it I guess it is because it's not easy you picked Tebow for the win and he came down with 10 riders still to go Finn was the rider behind him and he got third but after that the best ranked top 10 rider from qualifying was Loiku, who seeded first but finished 22nd. So it, it was definitely weather affected. We'll never know for sure, but in a word, would Tebow have won if the weather hadn't changed? No, 
No. <laughs> I think Loink was too strong. Yeah, I, th- I think there were a couple of them who qualified hard. Mm-hmm. He was riding hard, though. He was riding well. I don't know. Like, he was. If it was completely dry, it could also have, like, it pushed even more. But, um, yeah, I think it was like was just... I think you've also got to look at the time Thibaut won with. Yeah. And based off set, but based off qualifying, it was beatable. So, uh, yeah. no disrespect to Thibaut. Like, no. yeah, put the run down and we did. But in in a word, the answer, the answer is no for me. It reminds me of, uh, I can never remember the... The guy's name, the lad who won a rain-affected World Cup and got tired. Fayole. Fayole, yeah. And it reminded me. It reminded me of that run because that run would have been a podium run. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. It, but it wouldn't. It wouldn't have won if mm-hmm. the weather hadn't changed. The difference it, is, Tebow's been there and done it, whereas he has. Yeah, yeah. He hasn't. And he's, he's he's done it multiple times. When he won Leger, it was also a little bit helped by the by the rain too. And yeah. there's two wins. Yeah. Yeah, but he's loads of podiums and they ended yeah, up. Yeah, Viola was like, he's legit. Yeah. One result and it just like ruined his career because he couldn't deal with it, he said. Mm. Yeah. So tell us a bit about Antoine Vidal because he won the European Champs and he had a good run here. He was on the hot seat for a long time and scored his first World Cup podium with fourth. Yeah, I mean, he's, his words you'd use for Vidal, he's kind of a French Ronan Dunn. He's wild, he's mad, <laughs> rides with his heart on his sleeve. Um, yeah, good, really good lad. Get on with him really well. But yeah, raw pace for sure. Yeah, and he was French champ as well. Like, um, was it last year? He had yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, it was last year. Yeah. 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 So he beat like Loic first. I was going, I know Benoit um, had a flat tire on the last corner. He blew his tire on the last corner. But like he beat like, even Amory was racing then. So he beat okay. Amory, he beat T-Boy, he beat Loic, he beat Loris, fair and square there in Lesor. Yeah. But yeah, like obviously they're sponsored by Lesor. So maybe he had a little extra practice but still like he's he's still very young as like you said he's a little bit wild so he has still stuff to learn yeah, yeah you can recognize Cecile Ravenel's style in the type of rider that she chooses because <laughs> Reeves and Lisa Bauman are pretty loose too <laughs> it's pretty funny on to Ludenville then so the junior race the race Don Platt and a host of other British riders have probably been waiting their whole lives for and it gets cancelled because the track's unrideable, although it clearly isn't for anyone who can ride in mud. Thoughts? Yeah, it's a tough one. I walked the track at the exact time the juniors would have been racing um, because my accommodation was at the top. Yeah, My plan was to take Sarah and Blake down to the pits while the juniors raced, and then after that, take the lift up because it was our day off and do a track walk. So once we heard that had happened, I just said to them, I was like, I'm just going to go and walk it now. So... I was on track at that time. Um, and yeah, all the way down, I was just like, really? Like, this isn't even that bad. Like there was some bits that were steep and muddy, but I couldn't see a reason why you'd need to cancel a world race for it. And then at the bottom, I bumped into Rory Cunningham, who's like in charge of the track. And I've asked Rory if I can share this. And he said, yeah. Um, and he came over for a chat and basically the main reason they cancelled it was they had some riders that were crashing on the steeper sections and marshals and medics couldn't gain access to the rider the rider couldn't move to get their bike and get off the hill because it was too slippery and too steep so they 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 made the decision not based on how rideable the track was but on what would happen if there was a serious injury in one of those zones at the time of chatting with Rory, it all made sense to me. And I was like, right, yeah, fair enough. And then since then, I've gone off and 
you know, shared this, you know, talked with various people about it. Um, and the resounding message coming back, which makes perfect sense, is they haven't prepared the venue properly because it rains in the French mountains. So if you've got a venue that you have no plan in place for when it rains for downhill mountain biking, you're fucked up. Mm-hmm. Where are the D-zone access points? Where are your medic access points? Like, so their reason on the day is like, all well and good. However, that just means they haven't prepped properly for their event. So it's a, it is a once again, um, a pretty embarrassing situation for them to be in. And like I say, I saw the track at the time when it sh- was due to be raced. And from a riding perspective, there is absolutely no reason why it wasn't safe to be raced. So I wasn't in Lunonville, but then I was just like, saw the messages that were going on. And it came about just before 11, like yep. the cancellation. And I'm like, dude, there's the whole day. Like, there's nothing going on on Saturday. Yep. Why wouldn't you just like try to like make some, because they had to do some ruts for the day after and it did it. Like Romain Paulin, who sh- shout out to him, he tried his hardest to like try to like fix the track because it's like he was like a racer and he's like a good builder but like obviously they they didn't prepare enough and then he did some ruts and stuff and he had time to do it until like three or four o'clock if it rains again then cancel it for real but like why wouldn't you just like wait for it to dry like when it's complicated try to do something and obviously all the videos that we saw of people crashing they hold like dry tires on, like <laughs> you wouldn't go there in, in your DHRs. I mean, come on, like it's unrideable if you have not prepared, but if you have four spikes and like maybe flat pedals, if you need to, yeah. you like try to like ride a line that's like digged in a hundred percent, almost everyone would have made it. Yeah, for sure. Like did you well, see Leo again 2020, it was not like, it no, was even way worse. harder, way and harder, way more holes and everything. So like, I know that the juniors were gutted. They're like, what oh, the hell? Human. There was so much anger in the pits. It was ridiculous. So if you at least try to like get them back on the track, see, okay, how is the track? Like even the junior girls, I texted Aries, text, and they're like, no, we want to race. Like for sure we wanted to try. So it's like robbing these young people of like a mud experience or like a challenge as well. So that was like, I was like, okay, I understand some of the reason, but like, obviously you can at least try to like, you have the whole day to try to figure out something. So the, the scene came, came so early. I was like mind blown. I was like, well, wow. The interesting thing at the moment as well is they're not making any effort to discuss these big decisions with anyone. Then, you know, they, Andrew Shandru, who manages the Trek team, he saw this conversation I'd had with Rory from the bottom road and he flagged me down on the road angry and said, I've, ju- I've just seen you chatting with Rory. What? What the fuck are they doing? What mm-hmm. what's the reason behind this? You know, he's in a he's a manager of a huge elite team mm-hmm. and he he didn't know why it was going on. They're not consulting riders, they're not consulting team managers. And when it's a decision that big, when like Emmy says, it doesn't really make sense. And the suggestions people could have made, like Flo Pay made a great suggestion on uh, Eddie Masters and um Dean Lucas's yeah. little chat thing. Do what we would have done in the old days, open the track for the day get us out there the riders who feel confident and know what they're doing in the mud can get out and ride the ruts in the track will be yeah. in for the rain if the track's suitable run the junior race later on in the afternoon and then we would continue the following day like there were ways and means of making the event happen ultimately it was just like such a strange strange move as a, as an outsider kind of looking in for me whoever's making the decisions 
isn't very good at making decisions. The big decisions. When you look at the big decisions from like, well, we're going to do a semi-final. We're not going to get Rob to do the commentary. You know, the, the big decisions that somebody's getting paid the big bucks for, we're going to cancel a race. It's they're, they're not very good at making big decisions, In I don't think. It just seems like fish out of water. The whole, the whole thing just seems like it's just, yeah, it, everyone's, everyone's just disillusioned with what's going on, really. So perfect weekend for Valley going for one, one, one and looking pretty imperious doing it. What a race in the men's. Dax run was wild. Lots of mistakes, but still good enough for second. Thibaut de Prella's crash was brutal. He couldn't find his bike. That's the entire common Sal Muckoff team out. We've seen them have some incredible success, but this is the other side to riding the edge, isn't it? Do, do you think they're going to have to try and tone it down a bit? I don't know. Like there's still the juniors still racing. <laughs> and then I know. Got, um, and they've drafted Dale. Yeah, Dale Maples it. like helping yeah. out, but um, definitely. Well, I, they all have a certain character. Like Thibaut Miram and and Amory. I know. Like they've been sometimes riding with injuries and they've been riding like on the limits so many times. Obviously, other people do that as well, but like it's still kind of the way they operate, and that's why they like also such a family and how they work together. Yeah, but I don't know. Like for sure, Amory has probably learned like a lot, a lot of things about himself, about the sport, about the way he does things to this injury. And I, I would be surprised if it still like goes out and take that many risks. I think it will probably be like a little bit more of a smarter racer now, and maybe for the better. I'm going to share something with you, which maybe contradicts that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I saw Omri at the after party. At Commonsdale, um, and uh, I had a pretty hilarious exchange with him. I uh, obviously we were both on the beers, and I said, uh, "I said, are you back for Snowshoe Montserrat, or are you done?" And he was like, "No, man, I am. I am done for the season. I will wait." And then he just looked at me with these wild eyes and just went, I will train so hard this winter. I will destroy all of them. (laughs) And just literally just went off. And it was like, yeah, the the raw Omri is still in there. And it was like, whoa, like, dude, it's like, it's August. (laughs) (laughs) But that's who he is, though. I think that will go away, but... To be yeah. honest, also, I think the staff probably like sort of learned a lot through this season, even it's like such hard times. And, yeah. and, um, they might have been also sometimes like not preventing the athletes to race when they should have been racing. I remember like Miriam and Lords after a crash, yeah. like as a team manager, she has said, you're not going to just start gay, you know, and it yeah, didn't do hard. it. It's hard, but it's kind of your job. Like, and I think now they probably like see things differently as well. Probably the same with Amory in Andorra last year. And that mm. must be really hard when he's leading the overall, but Yeah. Like I don't know, maybe we'll see, but I, I I would say like not like completely change their identity because it's who they are, but like a little bit more on the smart side when you go when you have to like make tough decisions. Yeah. I'll I'll be surprised that they don't adapt. I can't remember it from I mean I only know I've knowledge for the last kind of twelve, thirteen years, but I can't remember an entire team being out injured before they've always been able to but but yeah i mean i think they are what they are aren't they like you can't 
if you try and change who they are, then you know they they you're going to lose that that fire they've got mm. on the bike, and the athlete would essentially not be what they are. So maybe like like Emmy said, a little bit more kind of uh, you know smart decisions going on, but ultimately they are what they are, and that's why they've been so successful. They've got to take the rough with a smooth and extreme sport. So Finn Isles missing those poles and getting DSQ'd, Loic taking the win. In a word, will that cost him the overall? Not necessarily. We were talking about this, like with the amount of points you can score in semis, if Loic has a mare in snowshoe mm. and one of the riders in the top kind of three to five ha- yeah. wins everything, it'll be all to play for again. It's it's in Loic's hands, isn't it? He has a good yeah. snowshoe and, and he, then he ain't going to catch him. But um, yeah, I think it's definitely still races on. Cool. Well, that seems like a great place to pause because we'll be back with the man who won quali and Sammy's in Leedenville, Benoit Collange, after these messages. My name is Amory Pion and I asked Trelby to develop the best downhill tyre ever. Amory asked us for something that offers an edge over Magic Mary. We are all looking for something new, I guess. We needed something for more precision. So from that, we just worked all together to, to make it happen. Being fair, actually, the team started the development. Maxime, he started to cut down a big betty and try to get it into shape to make it work. The grip is just perfect. The tacky jam just gives you the best precision you, you need. It just gives you a lot of braking traction, safety and corner hold. It's like riding on rails. So. If you're an active rider, it's super rewarding. If you're a passive rider, it's still a fantastic time. Expert suspension tuning and customization used to be the preserve of the pros. Not anymore. Let the expert team at JTEC Suspension take care of your fork, shock, or drop a post to experience the feel of factory racing. With over 20 years' experience, JTech Suspension are the OGs of buttery smooth suspension. Get the pro touch and get the best out of yourself and your bike. Visit j-techsuspension.co.uk and chat to the experts in race-ready suspension. We're now joined by the man of the moment, Benoit Collange. What a few weeks, Matt. How are you feeling? It's insane, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I, ju- I just like, now I feel pretty good, but a few days ago it was like insane, uh, very emotional. And yeah, I, I cried a few times, so it was, it was sick. <laughs> Did you party afterwards? Uh, yeah, until two. Nice. After, the, after the race. But the biggest moment was uh, crossing the line with uh, <laughs> the fun and everything. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. Nice. Well, let's rewind a little bit, mate. Um, you were last on the show end of 2021 after your breakout season. You finished eighth in the overall, picked up your silver medal at World Championships. Um, 2022, great first half of the season. Fourth in Lords, fourth in Fort William, fifth in Lenzai. Tell us a little bit about the pressure you felt to repeat the success of 2021. I think a bit like uh, every year. like. Um, during the winter, um, when the season coming, like I always felt a bit like doubting, I think a bit like, I don't know if I lose my uh, magic power to go fast. Um, yeah. yeah, but honestly, honestly, after the first race in Lourdes, 
I finished fourth. Um, it was pretty good for me because like I didn't have the, the run I wanted. And I I know I was able to do better for the the rest of the racing year after that. And it was pretty stressful also because we received like the new frame, the V5, uh, one week before the race. Mm. Um, but at the end, it, yeah, it was a really good year. And after the first race, I, I forget the pressure of like the year before. Yeah, for sure. So you had a couple of DNFs in Andorra and Montserrat, but then you qualified fastest at World Champs in Leger um, last year. And we, we talked about this, didn't we, in the in the gondola the other day. Um, how much confidence was that giving you um, going into this week? I already know the answers to this one, but go on, share share with everybody how you were feeling. Yeah, I think it just like show show me that I can do it. But again, it just like a quali run is way different than a final run. And at the end, uh, Luik was really faster than everyone at this race. But yeah, like I think he can race like every year like this. Uh, it's same for everyone. Like sometimes you have like some highlight. Yeah, but uh, I knew I was able to to perform on this structure. And I also had a chat before um, a uh, Leger race with uh, Leon who shaped the track in Leger. And he said, oh, this year will be slower and more technical. And I think I prefer how it is now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So those changes, you felt you felt that worked well for you this week? Yeah. Nice. Okay. So you went on to finish 2022 with your sixth place in Val um, and finished the overall in seventh. By this point, firmly established as a as a top ten rider. Were you, were you happy f- the way you finished the twenty twenty two season? Uh, yeah, honestly, really, because like every year I'm better. I was like one uh, one place before the last uh, the last year, like at the overall. So yeah, <laughs> it's always uh, something I can take four podium or three podium is pretty good, and also. Uh, after 2021, my goal was to win a race because I, I did like second at World Champ. So it, it was really my goal. And I won the quali in uh, Leogang this year in 2022. Yeah. Um, I think I was pretty close for the race run too, but I, I crashed. But like, and also winning the, the quali in. Uh, in World Championship in Leger, like show me I, I really can do it. I was close this year, so it was like big motivation for me for the winter. And yeah, honestly, pretty good year, like four podium. Like I think like if I had uh, a good run, I can I wasn't I was able to um do a podium at every race. So it was pretty pretty cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, this is something I really like about Benoit because some people don't really understand that, but he can also like sometimes like, oh yeah, you're getting seventh or eighth. And he's always someone that says, oh yeah, I'm really happy with my eighth place. Yeah. And sometimes <laughs> someone like Max Comenza will be like, why are you happy with your eighth place? <laughs> and you're like, well, try to become eighth in the world. and see how hard it is, especially like with the times now. So yeah, it always makes me smile when I, when I see Max saying this stuff, because I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to this season then, um, 2023. So you were kind of, you're going good, but like a little bit under the radar, like solid result, Lenzerheide fifth, you qualified fifth, 
and then fifth in semi, eighth in finals. I remember Liu Gang, I think he had a crash in qualifying in a three yeah. or 40th, then sixth in semi, 10th in finals, always in the top 10. And then Valdisol fourth in qualifying, and semi, in eighth in final. And, um, so when I was in Andorra, I was always like next to the track and like trying to film people. And I've heard some people, I've not even spoke by you or someone. He was like, yeah, Benoit this year, oh, he's a little bit less on pace. And I was like, this made me angry. I was like, dude, that's disrespectful. Like, and then two weeks later, you're like winning your World Cup. And I was like, there you go. You know, like it's always, people are quick to like tell, oh, it's not your year. But you can turn it around in one second. So after these results, like, did you feel like you were getting closer to it? Even though people might think, oh, yeah, you're not on the podium or whatever. Um, I think like this year for me was the beginning of the year was pretty, pretty tough, honestly, mm. because we have the um, new format and mm -hmm. first race in uh, lens ride. I was pretty good in uh, quality and semi, I think. And I did some big mistake in the final, but after that, like every race we had, we have like weather issue issue, mm -hmm. like, and it was hard for me to understand like how all the rider like evolve between semi and final or how they manage that and how they improve their time and everything. So like for me. Even um I love that your response to that has just been to just win everything. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I'll do. I'll just win fucking all of it. Maybe it's uh, the easiest way. I don't know for me, but <laughs> it just Thank like God. yeah. After I think it was after the French champs. Um, same. I was good in quali. I won the quali. Uh, and I, I finished third, I think. Yes, third. And I was like, okay, uh, I have problem in final because like every time my quality is pretty good and on the final, I'm other rider, um, smoke me. So I thought uh, a bit about that. Um, I tried to maybe change a bit my strategy and I, I take some notes on my book of different strategy I can I can try. So we come to Andorra mm -hmm. and again, the weather play big role. Yeah. Play yeah. A big role. And I wasn't able to, to see how, how the new strategy working, but at the end I crashed, but I was pretty good at the two first pit. I think in the same time as Loic Bruni. Yeah. So it was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So you crashed into three, but I felt like you were like really, really trying to take some risk, like more than maybe in your other final runs before. Yeah. Yeah, yeah really. Well, it, it was the strategy. I mm. I felt like this year, uh, nobody is really faster than other like last yeah. year with Amory. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, because like everyone takes so much risk. And I think a lot of riders ride over the limit like mm. we can see how many crash we have in final yeah so it was also my new strategy because my goals still the same winning a world cup and uh i think to win a world cup now for me is still like something i need to i i, I really need to take some some risk here to do it yeah so last year in andorra you had a crash in was it quality or practice and then you had quality 
a little injury. And this year, like, obviously you were doing a bit better, but yeah, you had the weather against you. Like, it's, it seems like Andorra maybe doesn't wish you well. And now with Kami, we need to turn it around <laughs> for next year because yeah. Andorra is not doing us any favors so far. <laughs> but you, you like the track or? Me too, Andy. Me you too. About this place? <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think last year, um, I wasn't really happy about the track, but mm-hmm. because of the bottom. Yeah, like with the bridge and everything. But this year, yeah. it, it, looked, it was pretty good, honestly. Not my favorite, but mm-hmm. it was really good to ride. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's still a dangerous track. Like yeah, we have a lot of um, moving rock. Yeah, like rock moving, and the wind at the top. It's mm-hmm. and the high speed also is pretty crazy. Yeah, and last year i crashed because like in the rock garden i had in my line like a rock were moving so mm-hmm. i crashed be- because that's so it's like a bit of unluck yeah i think but and this year it was my fault like i tried to push uh, in the mm, yeah during the rain and it was slippery like i think in morzin two days ago i spoke with lois he said he said to me oh i was pretty close to to took this tree too. It was so sketchy mm-hmm. at this part. And me, I, 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 I push so hard during the the run. So sometimes it's happen. Yeah, for sure. For but sure. I don't think it's the track. Yeah. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> because um, next year is the world championship. So. <laughs> um, then moving on to Le Danviel. And um, so it all seems to click. You were first in seeding, first in semi. And apparently you had also a big mistake in your in your semi-final run. Yeah. Last man down the hill and you you were like on pace. I remember me and Cam were in front of the TV because we were in there and Cam was like, oh, come on, he's not going to win when I'm not there. He's first. <laughs> he was almost pissed. She was like, come on. Like, and then I was like, he's going to do it. He's going to do it because like bottom was not the best. And we we're like, and then you took your foot out and we we're like, uh, and then you put it back on and then you slid over and we were like, oh my God, what the hell? And we almost, yeah, we felt for you, but I guess you got, you were like pretty upset about that crash. Hey? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. The track, honestly, I, I, I don't know why the track, I don't know what it's, why it's click sometimes it's just like this. Uh, I think the track is pretty French. <laughs> it's the Plenty Steeps number two. <laughs> yeah, and also it's a lot of grass and and mm. on the French Cup we have a lot of stuff like this. So yeah, at the Korea I, I was pretty surprised, but like for the semi, like it rained a lot uh, during the night or the day before, and mm. um, like directly the morning I felt really good on the track and even my uh, the staff of my team said to me, oh, you're, you're the only one who look really easy on the track and everything. Like I was pretty, pretty, pretty stoked, honestly, to ride in the mud, this track. It was pretty cool. And so I went to the, to the semi and with the plane to the plan to ride, um, like fluid or with a lot of flow because I wasn't protected for the final. So it's a shame if you don't go in the final and you, <laughs> you won the quali. Yeah. Um, but like always, after two turns, I forget that and I try to push. <laughs> uh, until this big, big mistake, honestly, it was a big, big save because I was yeah. almost uh, off the track. 
Mm. It was on and the uh, off cam camber bit, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was at the bottom uh, with the compression at the end. I was like sideways, but it was it was way it was pretty difficult. And after this mistake, I I really calmed down and like make it to the to the line. So I was so confident for the final. Like I felt like okay, I have so much in the tank and mm-hmm. I can do it because I, I yeah won the the semi. So. Um, Last guy is on the on the hill, yeah. but like the start of Ludenville is a bit special. Like you, f- you felt like you're more on the like local race and the World Cup because nobody are at the top. Mm. Uh, it's pretty flat, nothing to to see. It's just like so. It wasn't too bad about the the pressure and everything. And yeah, good 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 run until uh, I crashed. Um, yeah, I don't know if I didn't manage the pressure or if it's something else, but yeah. And at the bottom, I was pretty upset because like I felt like last year, um, Amory was the boss. Uh, like in Liogang, it, it wasn't a good weekend for, for Amory. And I know when it's like this, we are, I have more chance to, to win. So I really, need to to take this opportunity to do it yeah and i crashed one time in Liogong and this time i crash again and for me it was like okay one other opportunity that i i put to the trash and i was yeah really upset like mm. for me i i don't i don't feel like i can be like the guys would uh domine uh mm. yeah dominate mm-hmm. dominate uh so when i have the opportunity i really want to to do it because yeah. like it's not every weekend we can do it i can do it so yeah i was a bit like upset but I, honestly after one day it was okay okay it was good we can overall like want to race um and yeah i was close for mm. for the win i think so we're like talking about, obviously you mentioned the track, the fact that you like the track, that the track was like, like a French track and also obviously the weather. Cause I could be wrong and I, you proved me wrong in Leger, but I always thought you, you'd be closer to winning World Cup in the mud because I've seen how amazing you are. We won't race in mud. Huh? We won't race the Mud World Cup again. They've all been cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, true. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, damn. Um, but also, like, you, you, how are your opportunity, like, in Andorra and stuff, like, with the change of weather also been a problem? So, um, but you talk also about your strategy. So, what do you think, like, you clicked in Nunoviel after the race, after your crash, you, like, made the changes for the next week? I think uh, I, I didn't do any change because uh, he was working in Ludenville. Mm-hmm. So it was the same plan for, for Leger. Like do the, my strategy was like to do a really good quality. Uh, then like keep energy during the semi-final for the final. Yeah. That was the goal. You went quicker on every run though, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, you did. Yeah, Mate, I looked. Not, yeah, yeah. Not much. It was like three twenty one, three twenty three nineteen, or something like that. Is that? 
I, I don't think. remember. <laughs> George knows all the numbers. He's making up the numbers for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about Leger. Um, tell us a bit what you were thinking when you were like sat at the top after you won quality in seating. Um, how were you feeling like in, in the gate going down last again? Honestly, this time the pressure was uh, way higher because like after Ludonville, I received like so much uh, DM and message and fans that told me, okay, um, next race, it's you. You need to win now. Uh, you can do it. Uh, we believe in you. Uh, it was just a little mistake. Uh, just it, it will click and everything. So, um, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty good to receive this kind of message, but like sometimes you felt like it's look easy from outside to do it again. And in the real world, it's like really hard. And it, it put me a bit more pressure. And again, I won the quality two time and I crashed two time in the final. So it's play a bit in your, in your head. And also we have like, a huge crew, a lot of fun was there, more yeah. than Ludonville. So um, from the top, from the top, you can hear it. And um, yeah, also, um, Mas Comensal come to me before the race, and he <laughs> said to me, um, Benoit, um, our top rider are like injured, so. No, it's it's your time. You're, <laughs> you're gonna win. So <laughs> it was. He's I tried, a pest, I, this guy. Nah, I tried to <laughs> translate in English, but it's not exactly this word. But <laughs> that and so he, yeah, he said we are 100% in here for you. So let's do it. Do, do <laughs> it. <laughs> so yeah, honestly, when I I come to the top for my warm up. Uh, in Asia, I was pretty, pretty stressed. Um, I told to my coach at the top because um, we have like I have my trainer at the top and my mechanic and my trainer um, play with me for the warm up. So it's always pretty good because I I just play with with my um, my coach to warm up and I, after we go to the gate like this I, I can think about other stuff and it's pretty easy for me and it's pretty good to for the focus also we try to be late as we can like I think I come to the to the start like two minutes before my start yeah. honestly it's pretty late because like at the top between rider we have four minutes is crazy long it's crazy crazy long like to wait four minutes in front of the gate with like no people around and no rider with is like mm -hmm. really yeah. really young so we try to to arrive pretty late and honestly after when i was on the gate i was pretty focused and yeah what i remember i was pretty ready so yeah <laughs> So let's go on and talk about the run a little bit then, because uh, I was actually watching the live timing. I was at, at the lake actually with Sarah and Blake, and I didn't really know what was going on with the race, but I wanted to know if you if you if you were going to win. So I think it was Dak was halfway down his run when I flicked the live timing on, 
Um, so your first split came up and you were, you were, you were red, but you were in touch. And then your second split came up and you were a little bit more red, I think 0.2, but you were still in touch. Third split came up and you were half a second back. And I remember thinking, ah, this gap's getting bigger. It's only small. And then all of a sudden, fourth split, you were green. Did you have any feeling during the run of how it was going or were you just in your own zone doing your thing? No, we never know. (laughs) (laughs) It's always something when people speak about your run from the outside because like it's totally different during my run. Now, honestly, I was, um, honestly, I stick to my plan. Like during the semi, I did few mistakes because like the dust was so insane in few corners. Uh, so I play safe in two parts of the, the track. I think one where Kolb did a big mistake. Mm-hmm. So it was a good, uh, decision. good choice, <laughs> the good mm-hmm. decision. Uh, and yeah, just like the last corner of the track, I, I did it so bad, so slow, <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, the, the run was really good. Yeah. Really, really good. Um, I push where I, I wanted to push and play safe where, where I wanted. So yes, it was insane. And when I, when I, I, I took a road, the, the last turn, I saw the, like the split, but like, no, how is it? Like you can really know why is the split? I, I saw one split green, but I didn't know if it was the last one or the <laughs> second one. Like he was so strong. And yeah, it, it felt like long uh, until the line. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So obviously to, to win in Leger in front of the French fans, tell us about when you knew you'd done it. Because like you say, you saw the splits, but you didn't know what order. At what moment did you realize, fuck, I've just won? Yeah, honestly, uh, I crossed the line. I directly checked the uh, the screen and I saw my name in first. And maybe I wait for one second. I felt like it was really long. And <laughs> I just turned turned to the crew and run uh, into the crew because I was just like I just wanted to enjoy like this moment with the fan. And yeah, yeah it's yeah. I just wanted to enjoy as much as I can, uh, is like, I, 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 it's hard to, it's hard to describe how easy it was. It was just insane for me. Like it was su- surreal. I think it was it's t- yeah. 10 years. Is it 10 years? Have you been racing world cups for 10 years? I think it's 11 years, 11 years, but 11 like, years for that moment. First you know. year elite, um, Claude, my team manager create the team. So I did uh, 10 years with him. Yeah. Like, and at the beginning, we were just like pretty much a group of creators with like maybe 10 grand of euros of budget. We buy the bike and everything. Uh, yeah. Now we are like a big team with big result. Kami won world championship and world cup. And me, I just won my first age race. And yeah, at the beginning, like, how you can see like the plates at the beginning. I've been looking yeah. at them. Yeah. <laughs> it just like, yeah, it's it's a big improvement for me. And they're my current plate numbers, those Benoit. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> and I've been racing for 10 years as well. <laughs> maybe maybe in 10 years you can win a World Cup. <laughs> but yeah, for me, it was huge work and I just feel like he's... Yeah, I'm just so proud of me and the, the team uh, because uh, at the beginning I... I didn't even dream to win a World Cup. Like the the dream was just like to do the quali done, and and after that, like to be on the on the live TV on some stuff like this. And yeah, for the last last two years, it's really it's my goal. It was my goal to to win a World Cup. So yeah, honestly, two years look like small, but in same time, I saw like Matt Walker did his first World Cup last year. Finise, Goldstone this year, Jordan William, Andy Kolb. Andy Kolb. I was like, okay, they, they did it. I don't do it. Maybe uh, finally uh, I can do it because they did like, I was a bit like maybe jealous because they did it before me. Yeah. But in the same time, it showed me like it's possible. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't know. For me, it's like, it's like a gift after like 10 years of of trying to improve myself. Yeah, it's it, honestly, it's, it's quite emotional for me to hear you talking about it because obviously we've known each other a long time and yeah. up, up until COVID, we, we kind of raced together and we're getting similar results. We had similar sponsors and I knew you really well. And to see how hard you've worked and to now see you, you, you know, enjoying the fruits of that and winning is, uh, yeah, I'm just... You've set such an amazing example for any young athlete coming into this of not everything's easy, not everything's going to be like, you know, here it is, just go and do it. You have to work hard for it and you're you're living proof that if you want something enough, you can go off and do it. And uh, yeah. Yeah, you should be massively proud of yourself because it's a huge achievement. Yeah, it's very hard because like it takes so much time and like sometimes during one or two years, you don't feel like the improvement. Mm. So it's, it's pretty hard to believe in yourself, like doing so long. I'm pretty lucky because like pretty much every year I step up a bit. So it keeps yeah. me really motivated, but like, I think it was 2019. I enjoyed myself yeah. and it was pretty stressful for me because like I, I make a bit of money. Like it was enough to to le- to live. But I kn- I knew if like the year after that I wasn't able to do good results, it was maybe the end of my career. Yeah. Um. I wanted so bad like to to keep this this life um to be better. So during like the COVID year, I worked so so hard. Like everyone say, okay. We took some time, but me, I, I was working so hard because I really wanted to to achieve uh, and to keep my life like this. Um, yeah. From this year, I think 2020, every year changed a lot. And I did my, my first podium in 2021. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The thing is, there's no, there's no promise that you're going to get there, is there? No. That, that must be the quite the hard thing that you know. No, I never you, you got can there. give you can give everything and you still might not yeah. make it. You know, yeah. A lot of people uh, ask me how you can do it, uh, how we can do it, but I can't take someone and say we do the, we do that 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 uh, that's it. <laughs> no. we, we we will receive like the gift, but no, it's, it's yeah. a bit cruel. Yeah. 
Yeah, it has to be everything. I remember, as you say, it was 2020 when you left me behind. I remember coming to France during COVID for some races and you you just smashed a French cup. And I was like, where the fuck's Benoit gone? Like, <laughs> Benoit, like similar, he just smoked me. And I, I remember thinking, ah, yeah, it'll even out. And then we, we went and did the World Cups and you, I can't remember your results in 2020, but they were certainly better than mine. And ever since, like you say, you've just kept climbing. So, so yeah, I mean, on that note, um, you're sitting fifth in the overall now. You're on 1,112 points, 218 points behind Loic. The big question is, are you feeling like you can keep this form going into the last two World Cups? <laughs> and uh, do you think you can catch him? When we watch the, the points, it looks easy, you know? <laughs> 200 points, and like for one win, if you win the, the three, it's like four... It's a lot. Hundred fifty. Even more, I think. More than that? Because it's 250 points, no. no? So it's like no, they 500 semis. and then like... No, they changed semis. They oh. dropped semis back uh, yeah. Think, yeah, you got think, 400 this week. I think weekend, I, 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 I almost did like the half in one weekend. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, honestly, yet yeah, the plan is to to keep entering like this victory. It's not yeah. happen every weekend. Um, yeah, for sure. It was like like yeah. It's it's why I I try to to enjoy and. Um, as much as possible with the fun because like it's, it's not happen every weekend. Um, yeah. yeah, I think when I will take the plane for snowshoe, the mind will uh, swift and yeah. it is okay. Yeah. It will be after, after that, at, at the end, I think everything will play at the last one. No. Yeah. It'll all come down to months. And they, they will put like all the points just for the final, like. We've just been talking about that. Talk about that. We don't know. Uh, yeah, because it changed like a few times now. The skepticism yeah. on whether you can get <laughs> points in semis. So, um, yeah, I would imagine but, it will be all the points for Yeah, final. everything is possible, but not just for me, like for six people or seven riders. So. Yeah, it's an exciting finish. Yeah. So I just wanted to ask you about the Supreme V5. Yeah. The V4s were known for developing a few cracks. Have you cracked a V5 yet? Yeah, I know the V4 is, everyone know like is, we had some problem of fiability, but like the, um, the V5, um, I still riding in the mud, like my first bike, yeah. uh, from like Lourdes last year, nice. it's so. my training bike and we didn't so. have any problem and it's like a pre-series frame. It's pretty yeah. much the same. It's not exactly the same. Like the difference is just. I think like the we can change the rigidity yeah. at the rear of the bike of the bike, but yeah, well, when it's muddy, I'm still riding this bike in uh, in uh, Morzin uh, because cool. I don't want to destroy my my new bikes. <laughs> <laughs> and at the beginning, we count the number of runs, and I stopped counting at 500 runs. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> it's just insane, and we changed like three times the bearing. Yeah. And yeah, like I did like first World Cup with this bike, um, all my first year training uh, in Morzin, uh, Whistler two weeks, New Zealand uh, three or four weeks, my uh, winter training with this bike. And after I, I changed my training bike, but I keep for the muddy days. <laughs> cool. 
that's good to hear. But yeah. Well, look, thank you for making the time to come on the pod. As I said, I, I said, drop you a message yesterday, and I said, I, as I said then, I, I'm genuinely so bloody pleased for you. It's a victory for perseverance, for grit and determination, and it's so wonderful to hear. You know, that possibly my that that's possibly my favourite interview we've ever done on this podcast. We've done some belters, but that is possibly it to see to hear someone who's put so much into it and tried so hard get there. It's amazing. Thank yeah. you so much, George. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I hope really you can win I hope you can win another one soon, Benoit. <laughs> I hope too. <laughs> <laughs> Best of luck for the rest of the season. Thank we'll you. be back with more after these messages. Yo guys, I'm Charlie Hatton here from Continental Afton Race Team. We've just been out here for a week in Ride Southern Spain. Been absolutely sick. Five days of riding on dusty, dry trails. The facilities here are absolutely mega like the villa is really nice nice pool nice uh, workshop area bike wash facilities so yeah it's got everything you need really and pretty sad this is my last day actually <laughs> it was mega yeah I'll definitely be back you can ride till your arms fall off i think <laughs> if you're enjoying the making up the numbers podcast hit subscribe now so you don't miss an episode and drop us a review whenever it's convenient for additional content Follow us on Instagram at Making Up the Numbers Racing. Choose single track. Choose print. Choose digital. Choose an independent mountain bike magazine. Choose mountain bike culture. Choose adventure and mishap. Choose great stories and glorious photography. Choose ad free access to our website. Choose time out with a mug of tea. Choose an annual subscription. Choose a monthly subscription. Choose discounts in our shop on a range of ethical products. Choose bobble hats. Choose hip flasks. Choose gift subscriptions for your friends. Choose single trap salvation for your arse. Choose a username. Choose a community. Choose to support independent publishing. Choose your future and our future. Choose single track. So, wrapping up Leger, Sasha Ernest was five seconds up when she crashed and still finished fourth, but Valentina, Val, Valentina Roa Sanchez held it together to win junior women. She's leading the series now on 285 points, with Lisa Bula doing second and Arise in third. Two really contrasting styles there, Emmy. So we've got Arise, who's either top two or, bit, or bust, with three wins this season, including world champs. And then Valentina and Lisa who have one win each, but podiums at pretty much every other race. As a team manager kind of looking at prospects coming through, what do you prefer to see juniors display? Is it raw speed or is it consistency? I'll go with raw speed for like junior women's, but because you can still like learn consistency because I know for a fact that I started down with 21. I was like crashing my brains out every two like runs. Because I was like, whoa, this bike is just like so fast and I can do so fast on it. But then obviously when you do a mistake, consequence is a little bit higher than on a cross-country bike. So <laughs> um I think, I don't know how Iris will do. Like she had a concussion after a crash, like from Leger. So it's not even really sure if she's going to do the last two rounds. Hopefully, right. for her, I think she was doing better. But I was really struck to see Valentina taking her first walk-up win as well. Because she's been third in Leger the year before when Jenna won. But she was really close to like win some other World Cups. And I think she's, she probably was going to win Ludoviel because she was the only rider that could make it down, like without like getting sketchy. And her coach was like, damn, like I feel robbed. Like she was 
she had it in the bag and then she was devastated, but then she turned it on and win the next one. So like Benoit a little bit, so when you can bounce back from that, I think it's like, it's pretty impressive. Um, yeah. so we'll see what it's pretty, it's pretty exciting finish, to be honest. And almost every category, maybe the junior men have a little bit less, um, surprise, but yeah, it's pretty exciting for sure. So Ryan Pinkerton took the win in Leger with, with Bodie Cun injured. Heat Ryan looks to have the overall wrapped up in junior men. Valley has pretty much done the same in elite women, 424 points ahead of Nina in second and Marine in third. Great rides from Marine and Monica Rasnick though in, in Leger, Amy. Oh yeah, Monica's, um, this is her personal best second place. Yeah. yeah. So she had a quali win in Valle Sole when he was like pouring down a few years back. And, um, I know because I got second and <laughs> she beat me in quality and I was like, Oh, I could have quality win. <laughs> and then she like got second this time. So I think it was like she hadn't had top five this year yet. Right. It was going rough for her. And I think also for seeing how she was riding in Dora after Cam's accident, I think she was, she was pretty like thrown off by it. Like a lot of people are, but like also Bernard said he was thinking about it on the World Cup and stuff, but she was like definitely affected. So Endora didn't go well, but then she turned back and Marine back on the top step after one year off. That was pretty cool to see. Obviously, I was like a bit gutted for Bali because, you know, I was like, damn, like she crashed in the first corner and then she tried to push. And I thought, hmm, nine seconds, you know, she could come close if she really pushes. And then she crashed again and gave up. So, yeah, it's a bit. Loic leads the elite men on 1,330, with Jackson on 1,273 and Loris on 1,208. Given how he's riding, given he's so strong psychologically, you've said already that it's possible, Jack, for other people to do it. Can you see anything other than a Loic Bruni win? Yeah, I can actually. Like, Yeah? Yeah. I, I think in that group, Jackson's the danger man. What the fuck is he going to lose? Yeah, no pressure. No pressure at all. First year, he's going to Montserrat. Like, yeah, I think he's the danger man in there. Um, so it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting. It's it's nice that we're going into these last races thinking that this is anyone's. What's Loic done to Jordan and Finn? Like, does he get these riders on his team right who he thinks are going to be the biggest threats going forward? And think I'll just destroy them. them. I'll ruin them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, God knows. Like I. They're still all hanging out together. I had a nice chat with Finn in Ludenville about Jordan and he said he's loving having him on the team and they share lines and get on really well. And um I've seen Loic and 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 Finn together in Leger in practice chatting and so the, the team vibe looks from the outside all fine. It's just uh the results have just been up and down, haven't they? Look at Emmy, she wants to throw in the ring. Go on. No, no, I just, <laughs> I just want it would be so good to be a little flying coming to the pits and like that'll be like the most exciting pit to be around when they're like all under pressure and like they all have I don't know Jordan that well, but Finn and like definitely like huge personalities and yeah. also egos, like in oh, yeah. in a good way or in a bad way, both of them like yeah, I remember Amory was like also dominating. Um, but then Loic took the overall off him in snowshoe, that crazy race that we all remember. Yeah. He was just, they were like talking after the race. Obviously, they had some beers and they were like, oh, yeah, 
I'll get it next year as well. I'll destroy all of you. Like you said, like I'm always saying, he's going to destroy all of you. That's really the vibe. Like they're like, yeah, yeah, for sure. It's like the Frenchie are like this. So it can be a bit hard probably to have someone that just like this all the time and wants to, to rip everyone apart, basically, even their own teammate, probably like on the yeah. inside, you know, he's feeling that way. But yeah, it's just exciting. I think the drama. It is. It is. <laughs> Jack, you predicted that we'd, you, your predictions have been so on point. The last predi- five. Have we got five in a row? You didn't predict Benoit at this one, did you? Did, did you? You should uh, try to like get some money on had this. a podcast, but that is what I predicted before we started practice. I was like, right. I, I was really torn, but I was like, no, I, I am going to go with him. Um, the Ludenville thing threw me off for a bit. I was like, same as you, George. I was like, is he going to hold it together? But I went with him. So, so yeah, last five, Charlie, Tebow. No, last four. Charlie, Tebow, Loic, and Benoit. So who's wow. going to win him Snowshoe and Mont saint then? Oh, it's a tough one, isn't it? Like, I, I really want to stand by my eight different winners. Um, so it, it, it thins the herd. Because <laughs> <laughs> obviously we've lost Benoit now. So, so yeah. Um, go on, Emmy. Who do you think? It really depends on the weather. Like if, if it's Snowshoe and Mont saint are mud fest. Bernard yeah. Kerr is going to come out yeah. swinging. <laughs> but if it's dry, it could be someone completely different, like Loris, who was always fast there. Yeah. Um, Andy Kolb has come really close to Leger. I can't have him because he's already got one. So I know, but I mean, he could like, have you looked at that um show with Elliot and Rob? No. I mean, they show like, they show like the difference. Even on the, the the live thing, like he lost half a second in his mistake. Like he had it. Oh yeah. Oh, he throws it away. You can see yeah. it splits. Like he gives it him. Yeah. But like, it was like, so you're like, eh. and also you had a mayor of a semi. So he's like on it. But he's making mistakes at every one. Yeah. So I, I'm, oh, it's tough. I, you've got to have, if you're going to go for a different one, you've got to probably have Loris getting one. Well, snowshoe, I'm torn between Dak and Loris. Yeah, Dak. Yeah. Is yeah. that good in once and then or no? Dak's good anyway. Yeah, but you're so hit and miss. That's the thing with Dak. Um, mm-hmm. All right, I'm gonna go Loris Snowshoe Finn Montanan. Mm. Finn's gonna find his magic again. I'm gonna go Bernard Snowshoe because I really believe he could do it, and I want I want to hear the end of the story here. I can't keep <laughs> going on like this. I'll be really like same with Cam and and Lonnie. I'll be pissed because I'm not gonna be there. Are you not? But, are you um, not? Um, you're not good. Um. But yeah, Bernard Snowshoe would be amazing. And Monson and... Jackson, got to be. Huh? Got to be Jackson. I'd I'd be choosing Jackson if I was choosing a different winner. Yeah, Jackson. And for the women? Snowshoe, Bali. And Monson and also Bali. (laughs) 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 Because I think... Because she won Monson and before. And I think she's... I mean... We've seen her fall under pressure before though. Is that crash going to get to her? No, she's so okay. far ahead. She can, she if she can wrap it up in the like, first she semi. Was like yeah, more, she was like to me, she was like, "I'm so relieved I crashed. Like I haven't crashed oh, in yeah. so long." I saw that on the Win TV that she was like, "I kind of knew I was going to crash this week." Strange. No, because like she hasn't crashed in so long. Also in practice, she, she was like, "Oh my god!" Like and yeah. also after Cam's accident, she was like, "Why am I going to crash?" And then she was like, "Oh, I'm okay. I crashed. I'm okay." And then like sometimes I had the same feeling because I was at the end of my career, I didn't crash much. And I'm like, I haven't crashed in so long. Like when is it going to happen? You know? So I think, mm. I think she, if she's like healthy at the start, she'll get it. 
because yeah. she's like these are two very technical tracks yeah and i think she's like te- the technical ability is just she's just better at the moment two riders in the men's who are bubbling away nicely who might surprise us at both of these next two are troy brosnan and danny art two of the kind of bit more veteran riders yeah. now but getting good splits and podiums danny's won at snowshoe mm-hmm. before so um i wouldn't be surprised to see big performances out of uh danny and and troy so i purposefully haven't mentioned the tv production until now because it's actually nuts the the coverage at world champs was awful i i don't know how much of the production eso were in charge of but the commentary was the worst i've ever heard and rick mclaughlin and neil donahue was Pretty much everything I feared the, the, the GMBN takeover would be. There was, there was a moment, I don't know if you watched it, but there was a moment in the junior men's when Leo Abella crossed the line and went into the hot seat and he ended up third and he's buzzing. And Neil said, Oh, he's going to be gutted when he sees how much time he's left on the hill. And it was like the opposite of Cedric. It was so dull. It, it sucked the life out of it. The production in Andorra was a mess from the interviewer introducing Tani as Nina to the graphics for the elite women having male riders into the horrible drone shots it was terrible and i work in a kind of similar field event production with the broadcast element and if you win a competitive tender like the bare minimum that you do in the first year is that it's as good as the previous company but this was nowhere near what red bull had delivered then luedenville i don't know what happened but that was probably the best production of a mountain bike race I've ever seen. The errors were gone. The drone work was fantastic. Miriam was good in co-commentary. Aaron was amazing. And I just can't figure out how you go from one to the other so quickly. Like, I wondered if it was because there was no XC in Leedenville. Did, did they put a different team on it? What, what have you guys seen and, and what do you think? Well, it was the first time actually, well, uh, Andorra, I didn't, I kind of look back, but Lunavier was the first time I looked like semis and final at home. Yeah. And I, like you, I was surprised because Andorra is crazy. Like we had a big chat about it with the women because Tani got third, didn't she? Yeah. In Andorra, they showed yeah. 37 seconds of a run in finals. She got third. Yeah. Like that's crazy. We're, we'll promise they're going to show whole runs. Yeah. She got not even like 40 seconds of a run, Sean. Like, you couldn't see anything. So, yes, that was like shocking to us as well because we were like, well, this is not what the riders were promised. And the riders has to have to like ride more, perform more, but then they don't really get the same coverage as before. So, and then Lululemon happened and then they showed a longer section as well. But I realized I need to like still do some stats on this, but I think they show more of the men, the top men than the women. Like I could be right. wrong with this, but like sometimes also the way interviews were introduced sometimes didn't work, but Lunovia were much better. Definitely Miriam, having Miriam there and Aaron there. And then also Charlie on the last one was really something that uh, worked good. And that yeah. was like way better. Yeah. I can, I can know why they it changed that much. I would think maybe this, like a local team that's doing it. Oh no, I don't know. Yeah. It was like, it was a completely different team doing it. My, mm. my next question was, was going to be, are the big teams still supporting ESO or are they losing trust as well? But I've heard there's up to seven teams leaving racing next season, world level racing. As I mentioned earlier, it seems pretty clear that GT are one of them. Mondrake are another. Then there's Lapierre, Ibis and Da Vinci and EDR. 
it's not looking good, is it? Yeah, it, it almost seems like with the industry being on a bit of a downward turn, coupled with whatever the hell is going on with the World Cups, it just seems like everybody's pissed off. Um, initially, after the first few, we were kind of thinking it was just us privateers and smaller teams that were annoyed and all the big teams were happy. But after the last three weeks in Europe, nobody's happy. Any team, managers, cameramen, athletes, everybody's it pissed off about something. Um, and the kind of the big thing that, that I've picked up on over the last few weeks is that a lot, I think a lot of these kind of mid-sized teams um, and smaller teams and privateers, everyone's just going to fuck it off and just go off and do European Cups, Nationals, Crankworks, because it's pointless. You're not wanted there. It's a hostile environment. Now it's top 30. There's far fewer people who have even a chance of going going on to race. Um, pits are a shambles. Every time you sign on, you're given different bands or no bands or some lift passes. There's no continuity at any event. <clears throat> in Leger, pits were, everyone had to keep moving. And then in Ludenville, it was just really easy. You could pit where you wanted, but then in Andorra, it was a talk. So there's, everything's just, yeah. It's just rubbish and it's going to be interesting next week and the week after because usually the North American ones are so chill because there's quite a lot of space to park, there's less people there. And honestly, I've, I've got some people coming with me who haven't done World Cups before and, you know, I've said to them normally in North America, it's more chilled and da, 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 but you can just guarantee they're going to turn it, they're going to somehow do something <laughs> possible. Um, they're going to try and fix something that didn't need fixing. They're going to, in the process, break it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I personally feel like I'm getting out at the right time. Like, um, obviously, I'm still going to be running my program and I'm not ready to disclose what we're going to be doing. But, um, yeah, I'm certainly uh, feel like I'm getting getting out at the right time. And uh, saw some things, some, some reports today online that Global Cycling Network's up for sale and it's really? um, he's lost 16 million and 10 million in the last two years. Wow. So... I don't know. I don't know if they they hold the contract. I don't know who exactly. ESO own the contract, but I don't know if they're owned by Global Cycling Network now or if that's a discovery thing or whatever. But then on the other side, there's rumours of propane coming back in, YT going big next season. I hadn't heard that Mondraker were finished. What I'd heard was that MS was done. Ah. We're running their own thing. That's what I'd heard. But whether that's true or not, it's all speculation. Um, so team rumours. Let's start with those riders on GT. I've heard Jess Blewett's already signed for someone else. Any ideas who that might be, Emmy? Not really, but Propane was have, needs to have a girl, so maybe Propane. Yeah. I don't, like, I haven't really talked to her because she was obviously, like, injured after Hardline, so she went home. Yeah. So, yeah, obviously it's, like, we haven't been communicating, but... It's cool that she found something when she's like solid rider, you know, so. Yeah. It seems pretty clear GT is is packing up. So any word on where Ryan or Ethan are going? He, Ryan would be a great prospect, wouldn't he? The big thing is like when you look at, so I, I, I was chatting with one of my junior's parents earlier and in Leger, my run was good. I was 61st in the men's. I would have been eighth in junior with that time. So that means next year, not all of those guys are second year juniors, but some of them are. Every week you've got that number of juniors qualifying and say four or five, six of them are moving up. Yeah. Now, 
they're they're making the, the pits smaller by pissing everyone off and make it harder for these smaller teams, these mountain bike teams to operate. Where are all these riders going to go? Trek aren't all of a sudden going to have a 10 rider team. No. Syndicate aren't all of a sudden going to have eight riders in the paddock. Emmy, you guys in Pivot aren't all of a sudden going to sign five more riders. Wow. Like all these new talented riders are coming through. There's what, like, there's only a few of us that announced and have announced we're retiring. I do think more people will retire this year because a lot of a lot of guys who used to qualify now aren't. But my point is like, yeah, you've got Ryan, you've got Ethan, you've got these juniors, they're all coming through. Some teams are closing down. Where the hell is everyone going to go? Yeah. There aren't going to be enough seats. Mm. So, strange rumour, and this was on the Vital thread, Laurie Greenland off the syndicate? No, I don't, I don't believe it. I can't see that. I haven't heard anything, and I feel like he's like on a good vibe with Jackson as well, and yeah. like the bike is working really good. So him and Steve get on well. He's not won a race yet as syndicate, so he's going to be desperate to stay to tick that box. I can't see him wanting rid of him. No. Mm. So Greg did an interview. I don't know if you've seen it with Win after the last round, and he sounded like he might be retiring from the tone of how he was speaking. Have you seen that? Yeah, on the Win TV. Yeah, yeah. He seemed like he'd almost made his peace with it, didn't he? But yeah, at the same time, like if someone's going to pay him to race World Cups, he's clearly still fast enough. He's getting podiums and top tens. So who knows what he'll decide to do? So Valley moving on from Trek. Yes. No. I heard it. Yeah, yeah. She's she's moving on. <laughs> she's moving on, and I think she was just like. Also, she was not on Trek Factor Racing. She was on a smaller team. And with the result that she's yeah. getting, being on a, um, a structure where she's like in a bigger structure, I think. Would you say she's moving on or would you say she's moving back? Haha. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a clue for the listeners yeah, without us saying. That might be a clue. Yeah. So, um, run and done. Two. If somebody had told me that Common Cell wanted him, but I, I'd heard that Mondraker had a hard on for him in their new non-MS team. So Okay. Mm. Oh, he's got to go to Common Cell muck off. Come on. He would, he would like fit well in there. It'd fit well. I don't know if they're like taking people enough. that are not French speaker, to be honest. <laughs> I think they're yeah. trying in the past. He's wild he's enough. struggling. He's the right kind of rider, isn't he? He's wild enough, but yeah, I can yeah. see what you're saying. But I think he probably have. Uh, it depends a little bit on his end of the season, but he's so consistent this year. He had like trouble with his wrist or whatever. Yeah, but he could be like also a surprise rider for the last two rounds and like get advantage yeah. from that to like make a move. Yeah, yeah. And there was some interview with Loic, I think, on the full attack, but mm-hmm. it's in French. Yeah. After Dak got second to him. Mm-hmm. And he said some comment about Dak doesn't even have a team or something like that. Yeah, so I, th- I think that team they they're just at that time where contracts are due for renewal. Is this intense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I I hadn't heard the team was folding. All I'd heard from reliable source was that contracts were just up for up for renewal. Um, mm-hmm. Discussions were going on. Yeah, whether anyone else has heard more on top of that, I'm not sure. But um, do, do you think Finn's going to stay? No idea. No, I don't know. I think yeah, they are developing the bike. The bike is really like yeah, his little baby. Is there a better so, chance to win anywhere else? That's the if you're on that team, that is the best chance to win, isn't it? 
You're yeah. still going to have to beat Loic somewhere else yeah. in Jordan. So. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I wouldn't see him move, but I mean, you never know. And Dean Lucas retiring. So yeah. he's going to be, he's got two races left. I hope we can get Dean on the show to do 20 questions with you. You as yeah. well, Jack. At the end of the at yeah, the end yeah. of the season, I'll speak to him about it in America. I'm sure. Yeah. So someone so, might go to Scott then. Someone. Oh yeah, that, that's a little rumor I've got. Um, I know that Gonzalo's riding with Scott at the end. Oh of yeah, the, um, he's done well. Obviously, he's yeah. supported him at the last couple, and it, you know it sounds like they're interested in him for next year. So I think that'll probably depend on on the rest of his season. Um, yeah. Mm. But yeah, he certainly deserves a shot because he's you know he's fast and he's starting to make it work. So, yeah. anybody else you could think who might go to Scott, Emmy? No, ah, uh, because like the in um in the development development team that they have, um, there's some guys Chatenay, Garcin, they're like doing good, they're qualifying, yeah, but they're not like yeah, like Gonzalo podium. was doing, like, yeah, yeah, it was still a little bit missing, yeah. But I mean, they they could do it in the last two rounds. I don't know. There's always there always been good riders also in the mud. So if it's get crazy up there, it could yeah. be. <laughs> so, <laughs> it could be up for anything. Jack, two races to go in your career. You're finishing on your favorite track, Mont Saint Anne. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, positive. To be fair, I mean, across those three weeks, like the better split times I've had, um, I've been on the fast sections. Even in Leger, my run that I didn't qualify with, I was 12 fastest through the last sector and I think I was about 30th through the top sector. So Mont St. Anne's flat out, suits me down to the ground. Um, but I mean, ultimately, mate, I'm just enjoying it. Like yeah. you know, in Leger, I, I, I couldn't be annoyed. I'd had a good run and there were 60 riders that were faster than me. I was a bit fucked off with Laurie. Like he decided not to race. He couldn't have decided that before calling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a word with him. Come on, mate. Next time, just throw. Can't a have it all, Jack. Can't have it all. Just throw the old man a bone. You know what I mean? I've already threatened Harry Malloy. If he does that to me again, we're going to have words. <laughs> <laughs> well, the best of luck. Where, when are you heading out? Uh, we fly out on Monday the 25th. So normally yeah. we go a little earlier, but now I've got Blake. I'm trying to minimise. Uh, yeah, minimise unnecessary lengths to road trips. So. Fly on a Monday, drive straight there and crack on with it. So hopefully it won't be snowing. And Emmy, you're 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 not heading out. No. I had to decide quite a little like a little bit earlier. And um obviously we didn't know how Kami was gonna do and now she's doing okay, but like still she she's not driving and she might have like also I think I just wanted to support her during yeah. this time and being away working. I was just like not feeling 100% confident I will be able to like enjoy being away and stuff like that. So I had to decide a week after under I was like, no, no way. I can't imagine myself being, being away. But, um, yeah, it's been, it was my last race there. Um, in snowshoes, I always enjoy go back, but I guess I will probably enjoy it even a bit better if it's snowing and I'm in front of my TV yeah. with a blanket. It's <laughs> like freezing, freezing on the hill. No, I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see how everything folds up from the outside. Yeah. Would be a good experience too. 
Cool. Well, I think that's about all we've got time for. Apologies to any of the racers who did amazing things that we've missed. There was so much to cover. Thanks to the wonderful sponsors of the show, Hope Technology, JTEC Suspension, Revolution Bike Park, Ride Southern Spain, Schwalb and SingleTrackWorld.com. If you're enjoying the podcast, I'm sure you know what to do by now. Please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you've got a second, please drop us a review. Alternatively, give us a follow on Instagram at Making Up The Numbers Racing or Facebook.com slash Making Up The Numbers. Thanks for listening. We'll be back after Mont Saint Anne. This has been the Mammoth Production for Making Up the Numbers. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 